There is war going on in this world. A war on freedom. He's acting outside of his authority by saying you can't put something that you want in your own body. That's your own personal choice, and can't nobody take that from you, you know? You're one of these taxpayers, and these are all your documents, and this is how we're going to rob you. It's fucked up, man. It's more war, it's more spending, it's more debt, and it's less freedom. We don't do that here. Some people think that you can't be radical and pragmatic. This is what we need, is a pragmatic radicalism. Not moderation. Hardcore radicalism, but smart shit. It's not sitting in a fucking basement with a bunch of fucking nerds. You don't know shit, and that's the thing. You have to talk to people who think differently than you. But his focus is not how horrible the government is. It's how wonderful liberty and freedom are. That's what drives us. People are coming together more and more and more and more as the government has been failing us. We're just getting started. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty show. Uh, tonight, we have a really awesome show for you. Olivia Rondo is back on the show, and I'm really excited about that. But first, I'm going to tell you guys about how to get high. Um, go to nugofknowledge.com uh, because you can find some of the best uh, premium CBD, CBG, and Delta 8 THC products. Uh, you can get them online, shipped right to your house. It's legal ish in all 50 states and uh it is a completely libertarian owned company and uh you can so when you buy from us you help out not only the sponsors like myself and free speech media but also everybody else in this supply chain is part of the liberty movement so you're helping out awesome people that you know and love like maybe dan berman or tom queter uh so go to nugofknowledge.com use promo code f4l and you'll get 10 percent off your first order and uh, then I'll get credit for it, and then I'll be happy. So definitely do that. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. It's actually, I'm smoking some of their CBD flour right now. Uh, so go over there, check that out. Uh, but today we have, as I mentioned, Olivia Rondo back. Uh, she has been extremely busy since the last time she was on the show. And so she's going to give us an update. Olivia, welcome hey. back. Yeah, what's up? I look like such a bitch in the intro. I cannot believe it. <laughs> like, I love it. It's my favorite you, part of the intro. Why did you clip that part? Oh my god. <laughs> like I look like a bitch. I mean, it's truthful and it's accurate and I find it funny. <laughs> well, thank you. As long as you find it funny. I guess everybody else in Liberty Movement can think I'm a complete bitch, so that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. Well, I mean, if they're watching this, they'll see that you're not um eventually okay hopefully <laughs> hopefully um so you've been you've been extremely busy since the last time we talked uh you've been on tim pool you've been on kennedy you've uh started working with larry sharp you've started re- uh, contributing to fee you've been doing all sorts of stuff this year um so going all around i'm curious uh like who is the coolest person that you met this year um probably spike he's pretty dope he was um he's like my dad now we have like the running joke that he's my dad because i posted that picture of us uh with tasha and everyone just believed me that they're my parents so yeah he just uh he he was really cool to me in person and we're Mm -hmm. still friends now and he actually um I can't remember if we talked about this already, but a lot of people were asking me like, oh my God, like, how'd you get on Kennedy? It was Spike. 
I got an email from the Kennedy Booker saying that Spike recommended me, and that's how they found me through Spike. So he is like, that's awesome. Yeah, he's like part of the reason why I'm even so busy lately. So I just love him. So yeah. Wow. Good answer. We actually, uh, I just had him on a couple weeks ago, and uh, we we mentioned you and the fact that you are basically his daughter. Um, oh, really? <laughs> because there, there was also uh, a running joke at a couple of the events that I was his son, so apparently we're- Why are we siblings? <laughs> oh my which, goodness. Which I'm totally cool with. That sounds, that yeah. sounds great. Let's do that. Okay, bro. <laughs> That's funny. Why are you his? Why are you his son though? Like, so there was, there was some a couple of like minor jokes leading up to this, but it really came to a head um, at the Ohio convention. Uh, we were at an escape room uh, for like a fundraiser that was kind of out, outside of the convention, and uh, we we were just sitting there waiting for the escape like it to be our turn in the escape room. And Spike is going on this like monologue uh, about random things. And uh, we, we decided that I needed a Jewish last name because I'm not actually Jewish, but um, I look Jewish and I act Jewish. So I need a Jewish oh. last name. So he started calling me David Smith. Okay. <laughs> and then proceeds to introduce himself as Jeremy Smith to <laughs> the person running the escape room, introduces me as his son. Oh, <laughs> and my friend Caitlin as as um or well my my girlfriend at the time Caitlin and like this is our family we're the fights and smitzes and like just off on this entire rant to this random stranger at an escape room and so oh my god what is he like 12 years older than you not even that I don't know uh just about yeah what is he 30 39 so think... 14 years yeah yeah okay very believable <laughs> but he's also like got a receding hairline already and you know he oh my god you don't have to come for his hairline that's your <laughs> father that's our father what's your problem dude what's your issue um i i love spike spike is probably i, I would have to have the same answer if if someone asked me the question of who the coolest person i met this year uh, it's not me i'm sorry well, I mean, we didn't hang out that much this year. Uh, we I'm only we, we were at Rev together, but that that was about it. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's all it's all on you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like didn't go to. I don't know. I didn't like know about any Liberty events besides Revolution. Like nobody was telling me shit. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, and Rev Rev was an awesome time. It was a very weird mixture of groups and people, and I I enjoyed it. Yeah, like there's like turning point kids there and like just complete total degenerates. Mm -hmm. Boo Boo Boys were there. It was just, I don't know. It was funny. Yeah. Aren't those the same thing? The degenerates and the Boo Boo Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some, there's, <laughs> especially, there's definitely some overlap, but like, I don't know. Magnus doesn't even smoke weed. So can we really even call him a that's, degenerate? That's true. So yeah. He's a, he's a straight edge degenerate. Yeah, for real. Is that, is that a thing? I'm unsure. Yeah, uh, so you said how you got on to uh, Kennedy. How'd you manage uh, Tim Pool? How'd you make that connection? Um, Lydia had followed me on Twitter one day, and I didn't know who she was immediately. But we have been, you know, we started interacting on the timeline. And I saw, eventually realized, my dumbass realized that she was the producer for Timcast. And, you know, we 
kind of became just like Twitter friends. Um, and I, I can't say I was a huge Tim Pool watcher before that. Like I followed him on social media and stuff. But I don't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like an everyday podcast watcher. But you know, from there I started watching the show more often, especially when my friends would go on. Like Eliza Blue was on, and I was talking to Eliza about it and how I think it would be cool for me to go on Timcast and because um, she had mentioned it was it was close to where I'm at in Maryland. And so I just, you know, I just DM Lydia because we had been DMing back and forth about, you know, other shit for a minute. And I was like, yo, can I come on? She was like, sure. I'll ask Tim. And then Tim said, sure. And then I came on in like July. Um, and since then, you know, I've been back a couple of times to the house. It's been cool. They're cool people. Nice. So just shooting your shot in the DMs and it works, huh? <laughs> I just got it like that. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, yeah, I uh, I honestly don't think I had ever watched an episode of his show. Like an actual, I'd watched him on Rogan, um, but I don't think I'd ever actually watched him cast until uh, people that we knew started going on there. Because like it was, I think Scott Horton was on like maybe only a couple weeks before you were on, and then I was like, oh wow, Tim Cool's getting based. Nice. Yeah, he, you know, he's had me, his caucus people, me, um, Scott, I'm trying to think. Uh, he had Clint on. He's had, you mm-hmm. know, he's had cool people on. Yeah. It's weird. Like, if you had told me at the beginning of this year that, like, my show would share guests with, like, Tim Pool and Kennedy, I would not have believed you. And at this if point. If you told me at the beginning of this year that I was going to be on Tim Cast and Kennedy, I would not have believed you. Right. So it's insane what what's happened this past year i feel like uh while in the public and in politics and everything like liberty is getting trampled um when it comes to an independent media the liberty movement is getting significantly bigger and more popular and just continues to gain steam and gain recognition it's kind of awesome yeah i mean even some of us breaking through to mainstream media like fox business i've been on fox primetime this year as well recently um, and I was on there with Lawrence Jones, who's another libertarian. So, I mean, there's a, or I shouldn't say another, cause I'm not in the party, but I believe he is a party member, but I mean, there, there are people making it, you know, making the breakthrough in a, into MSM, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so tell me what you've been doing for, uh, FEE. Um, so FEE, I was a writer with the Hazlitt Project Fellowship. So obviously named after Henry Hazlitt and that was a six month contract. That was from May to November, I believe. And basically um, it was kind of a program to get more young people into the writing field at FISA. It was me and like three or four other people who, you know, I became friends with and close with throughout the program. And we just wrote about Liberty and free market. I mean, it was, it, the sites kind of focuses Austrian economics, but I wrote a lot about the war on drugs and police brutality, other libertarian topics. So that was pretty cool. Made good connections, good friends with Hannah Cox now, who I got to meet for the first time at Revolution as well. She's um, so yeah, it provided me great opportunities and I got to work with cool editors in the liberty movement. I mean, my editor at Feed, um, John Miltimore, he was another Tim Cast guest recently. Like he's pretty well known too. So it was cool to um you know work with people who are also like influencers in the liberty movement like off of you know somewhere off of twitter you know like in the mm-hmm. journalism space yeah uh 
if you could if you uh had to pick a favorite of like the the different mediums that you use yourself to message liberty do you have a favorite if it's like vi video social media writing um twitter is cool and all but i feel like i'm do a better job making my point through articles i like writing i think i'm good at it i think i'm good at conveying my message a lot better and you know a thousand care a thousand words rather than like 240 characters or whatever it is so yeah mm -hmm. gotcha um yeah i i haven't written pretty much anything lengthy at all since i got out of school um, i was just talking to one of one of my friends just sent me a book that he recently finished and i actually i told him i was going to start reading it like a couple days ago and i still haven't started um because i still haven't finished the book before it i have like three pages left of this book and i still have just not finished it because i haven't oh, picked man. it up in like days um but we yeah we were talking about just the writing process and whatnot and i realized that i haven't written anything that longer than a page since i graduated high school oh david <laughs> oh david 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 and i mean I feel it's like... not for everybody not everybody likes it you know mm -hmm. i feel like i should probably uh give it a try again because i do um I, I i mean i do this which is definitely not the same um but i i feel like i wouldn't be terrible at it if i actually like sat down and tried to do it i just haven't had anything to i haven't had a reason i guess to write since then um mm. well hold yourself accountable to it i mean when you work for when i was like working for fee and i had deadlines to meet and stuff if there was a day that felt like writing i was like oh well too bad i have to so mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah that's the that's the worst i in my opinion the worst part about the kind of like open-ended job descriptions that i've had for the last couple of years and the kind of uh weird work uh or working for myself like doing stuff like this um it's there's nobody to like yell at me if i don't do it and i have very bad self-discipline <laughs> That's pretty relatable sometimes I get like that. Mm -hmm. I also have a fear of letting people down and disappointing people though. So that kind of whips me into shape. That's that's fair. I'm actually I'm really proud of myself. I uploaded like six months worth of the show uh back to the audio platforms last night. Um nice. I yeah, I hadn't I hadn't uploaded one since May. Nice. Because uh, my old computer really couldn't handle it, and my internet wasn't doing so hot, and I was kind of scatterbrained. And then it became like, you're so far behind that I would have had to have uploaded like months, and then it's months, and then it's more. And so it just became a daunting task that I finally yeah. was like, all right, we'll do it. And now I have decent internet and a good computer, and so it's something that I can just like do it after the show is over and stay up to date awesome proud of you <laughs> we're gonna try to keep at least have some decent self-discipline on that one mm. well i believe in you <laughs> thank you thank you um so i'm basically i guess i'm just gonna ask the same question for all the things that you do how okay. did you uh get connected with larry and start working with sharpway 
Um, so I met, I talked to Larry for the first time at um, Maj Ture's Solutionary Summit last year when we were both speaking on the same panel. But Larry dipped like immediately after the panel. So I didn't really get a time to like connect with him on a personal level. But he had me on his podcast like a month after the Solutionary Summit. So we got to talk that way. And then this year at the Solutionary Summit, um, we weren't on the same panel this time, but we did already like know each other. So we were hanging out like the whole time in Miami, which was super fun, actually. Um, I don't know if anyone else has seen Larry Sharp in a Hawaiian shirt on a yacht in Miami. It's pretty funny. So, yeah. Uh, and so we were like sitting at dinner one night in Miami and um, I was just kind of complaining about life and stuff. And he was giving me a dad speech and he was like, well, come do some work for me. I'll pay you. And I was like, okay. And that's basically, basically what happened. All right. So he's just a nice guy. He's my other dad. There's like another joke that Larry is my dad too. So him and Spike have to fight for the position. <laughs> that's, I have a feeling that's not going to be the only position they'll fight for uh, throughout their t tenure in the Liberty movement. Maybe not. Um, I love Larry. He's the he's the reason that I actually got plugged into the Liberty Movement and the party. Um, I because I I joined the party in 2016 when I registered to vote. Like I registered as a Libertarian, and I I paid my first year's membership dues like literally in the, at the same time. Uh, I just did it all in one day, and kind of got involved. Uh, here upstate, but then quickly moved down to New York City and got completely like cut off from the people that I knew up here and, and everything. And I just kind of put politics on a back burner until um, like four days before his election, I went to an event of his in Manhattan and pretty much volunteered from from that event. Like I went left that event to go do a thing for the campaign and then all day the next two days and then into election day like i pretty much volunteered for him from the event to the election um and got to meet like everybody from the new york city party and a bunch of other people from the the state party and they were like oh yeah you have to come to our meetings like they're the second tuesday or whatever and you know i actually finally got plugged in because otherwise i was just kind of like i was a libertarian living in new york city just completely unaware that there was a party or campaigns or anything else going on and then ended up actually running for office the next year because of how like excited I was about the party and, and everything and how plugged in I was. And uh, I there was like four elections on the ballot that year. And I lived in one of the districts and the whole party was like, yeah, run for city council. And I was like, OK, awesome. That, that was fun. <laughs> Uh, I feel so, like Larry's trying to get me more plugged into, but he's also cool with the fact that I'm independent. He's not like pushy about it, you know. That's fair. Uh, so, what have you? What kind of work have you been doing for him? Uh, so I don't work for the campaign. I wanted to make that distinction because I think it's like illegal if I don't. But I work for Sharp Way, which is the media portion of Larry's ventures. So it's like basically uh 
managing social media and producing videos for Sharpway, the YouTube channel, and I host the Sharpway show on Thursdays, which was why I was at Larrython. I typically host Thursdays, sometimes by myself, sometimes with Larry, if he is also free on a Thursday, but sometimes I just solo host it. Nice. Yeah. How is it like, or how, what's the difference between like your own show in your own social media versus doing it for somebody else uh larry has a completely different audience than i do that's like the main difference that i struggle with but i also find interesting because a lot of his audience are left libertarians a lot of them are libertarians that pulled away from the new york democratic party um, and he just better appeals to Democrats than I do. So it's been a kind of a learning curve for me to be a, like a right-leaning libertarian or conservative libertarian, um, independent that comes and hosts the show. And, you know, I get pushback from the comments sometimes, and I have had to, you know, learn how to, you know, have like a nice friendly debate or discussion, you know, while hosting a show. And it's, you know, it's been cool. I like it actually. But I would say, yeah, the audience, like the the demographics of you know political thought, the audience is probably the um, most different part, and also just the topics that we talk about. I think my own show, which I haven't done in I don't know a month. The last time I did it with Reed, and I haven't had a new guest on in months. I've just been really busy with everything else. But another difference is that like my show is just a lot more casual. And it's not um, as much as a, of a Q&A. Like Larry's, when I host that, it's very much a Q&A. It's very interactive. Mine is definitely interactive, but it's not mostly people asking questions. It's just people just kind of saying their opinions on what I'm saying. So um, mm -hmm. it's been like a challenge to host Larry's show because I think his, his audience is actually pretty intelligent because Larry's a smart guy. And I think a lot of what he says flies over a lot of people's heads. I think that the reason he's not as popular as, you know, some other more famous libertarians is because he talks really fast. Like the guy talks like Ben Shapiro and he talks about some complex subjects. That a lot of people don't like to hear about, and that's not to shade anyone that has a larger platform. Um, I think I, I, at least on like YouTube and Twitter have a larger platform than Larry. So that's just saying something about me, but I think he appeals to a lower common denominator just because he's a really smart guy. And so I've had struggles with like communicating with his audience who disagree with me, who are like, you know, more liberal than I am. And I'm just like, okay, they're making me like, you know, think about some things at least, you know, I haven't really changed my opinion that much, but you know, it's making me, I think, uh, it's holding me accountable to actually being able to defend my positions, you know, even more. So I enjoy it. That's good. Yeah, that it's it's healthy to to be challenged. Um, it's it's super easy to get into an echo chamber in the liberty yeah. movement, even though like there's a lot of infighting, and so it doesn't feel like an echo chamber. If you're in Liberty Twitter, like it would be impossible to really notice that it's an echo chamber. But we all agree, like ninety five percent on most things. And but the shit that they fight about is like the one percent though, so they don't even care about that. They don't even, it's not even it's so fighting pure. about what they disagree with anymore. It's just like fighting about like dumb shit. Like it's not even ideological debates. It's just, I know. It's shit. like, oh my God, Dave Smith said what? Everyone has to fight about it. Oh my God. It's like, what the fuck? We're not even arguing about policy anymore. We're arguing about Dave Smith saying some shit on a podcast. Like this isn't, this has nothing to do with policy, delivery movement. It's a personal 
it's like a it's a debate that just has nothing to do with it. And mm-hmm. I was when I was seeing the drama today, I'm just like, I don't care what 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 Dave Smith says about what's sexual assault and what's not. I'm sorry. Right. I don't. I didn't find it offensive, but I wasn't going out of my way to watch it either. It just didn't look like something I was interested in hearing Dave Smith's opinion on. So I was like, why are so people offended by it? Like, the, the people that are hating on him so much, like, you must be in love with the guy or something. You must just want to suck his dick because why are you so mad about this guy's opinion? What does it matter to you? He's just a guy. What right. What is the obsession with him? I, I don't get it. And how it's like basically Mises Caucus people versus everybody else. And it's like, if and it, 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 it turns into like who are the right wing Nazis of the party, and I'm just like because Dave Smith says some shit about uh, about drunk sex, like what? Why do you guys care so much? Why do you yeah. guys care so much? I think that's a, a big part of the reason why I haven't become part of the party yet because it's like we don't care about the real issues. We care about Dave Smith drama. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say that the actual party itself, um, it like offline is significantly better than what it looks like online because most of the people uh taking part in in a lot of this crap aren't actually part of the party either um like never gone to a meeting or like never actually worked for a campaign or or, you know taken part in the the party itself um but yeah the today today was cringe um I found the people defending him were just as cringe, though, in my opinion, because it was like, like again, I, it's like, are you guys sucking his dick or something? Right. Like, I don't care. I just don't care. I don't care yeah. to get mad at it. I don't care to get passionate enough about it to launch and defend mm-hmm. him. Like, I just don't care. It is just sad to see people spend their whole day arguing about some shit that somebody else said. Yeah, I couldn't imagine caring enough about any person to voice my opinion on what is or isn't sexual assault in public where it can be screenshotted and saved forever. I will say, I'm not a fan of the fakeritarians. They take shit out of context all the time. Every time I've seen them, I think they've unfairly gone after Dave and Mises Caucus people in general a lot of the time. I, um, I'm also not really a fan. Um, I... I've had the founder of the page on my show um, as well as uh, I'd consider multiple of the admins to be good friends of mine. Um, However, what they do on that page, I constantly tell, like I roast them for it both online and in person. Um, And yeah, I, I agree. Some of most of it's uh, bullshit. And then, The problem is that so much of it has been bullshit or just like ignored that when they do actually like come forward with something legit and serious, everybody's just uh, no one cares. Yeah, I'm not even saying it's I should Mm -hmm. I should clarify. I'm not saying it's Dave's fault for starting the drama. And when I said I don't care about his opinion, I'm not saying he shouldn't say it. I don't think it was Mm -hmm. his fault for the clip going around because it was the fakeitarian's fault for you know clipping it without the context with the whole context with the context i mean i don't really have an opinion on the first place but with the context i just thought it was clear to me that this smith is not a rapist like they're trying to say he is but i mean i feel like that should be obvious to most people but not to them not to the people that hate the mises caucus for no fucking reason yeah i um I mean, especially, like, the people that were making, like, comments about any kind of, like, continuality or, like, this being a problem now. I'm like, he is married with a child. Like, I don't I don't think you have to worry about him trying to sleep with your wife. Don't worry, guys. 
Like, well, this guy just had a kid too. Like, just leave right. him, leave him alone for like a second. What up, Ben? Welcome to the chat, Ben. Uh, uh, Olivia, do you like the band Skillet? Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Okay, never mind. I was just gonna pick on Ben because um, he's been oh. roast roasting me for being a fan of the band. Um, <laughs> it sounds like some white people shit. It, it is. It's like a Christian metal band. Okay. What the fuck? Do I look her? I know what that is. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, they came out recently as like pretty based, and uh, they're like not requiring vaccines at their shows, and they um, uh, their lead singer called uh, Rage Against the Machines government rock, and. Uh, has been kind of shitting on them, which I fully believe is more of a PR stunt than actually like anything political or like meaningful, but still kind of fun mm. to see like people getting mainstream press for being anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How, how are things? Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit before we went live, but uh, how are, how are things going with the COVID stuff down in Maryland? And we're going to, See vaccine passports rolling out in DC, which is the city I live closest to, and I'm in Montgomery County. And Montgomery County has been having a, va- a mask mandate already, so we're going to see if they want to do the vaccine passports too. I don't think they'll do vaccine passports here, but they already have the mask mandates indoors here. Mm. Yeah, we just uh, we just went back to that here in New York um, for no reason like i've i've been looking at the the data and my dad's uh like a a database manager and does data stuff for a living and so he's been having fun like playing around with the cdc data lately to get practice on the system that he has to use for work and so we've been like looking at all the stuff and like comparing like like covid deaths to other other kinds of deaths and like seeing how where it ranks and then like the big peak that Hokel made us try to lock down for again and put the mask mandate back and is trying to like push more of a vaccine mandate uh was literally like it it jumped up to like 56 i think deaths um last week but in 2018 in the same like calendar week 1100 people died of the flu Mm. And so fast forward two years where we've got a mask mandate for 56 people. Mm. And it's just, it's insane. And uh, almost half of the counties in New York are refusing to enforce it. But most businesses in those counties are national franchises who are following corporate orders, not even like government orders to comply with something that they don't even have to because their county said no um so i'm getting like kicked out of stores uh because i don't have a mask on even though i live in a county that's not even supposed to be enforcing it a damn shame i'm so sorry to hear that but it has been kind of fun to see the places um that aren't enforcing it and i was actually i was at the mall today which the mall is very has been very very heavy uh they've had a mask thing pretty much 
the whole time except for like over this summer that like golden period we were talking about that like where where we had that like little bit of no masks over this summer mm -hmm. uh but the mall that's near my house has always been uh psychotic and i'm surprised they're not like requiring vaccine passports at this point oh, uh, but there were some like employees at the mall that today that weren't wearing masks uh like i went into a couple of stores where just the whole store was just like nah fuck it and none, no one had a mask on they weren't that no one yelled at me for having not having one on and i'm i'm kind of excited because like that's that's what we need to actually win this is like people not complying i mean we've been saying that for a while now yeah i i agree i mean it's all about civil disobedience it's all about non-compliance people talk about it and aren't really about it though like there's no way i'm going to get a vaccine to comply with a passport i'm i've said that i'll stick by it i'll prove it because now my city is going to have max vaccine passports and um it'll actually it'll like actually come down to it because it's now not me just talking smack because i live in new york but now it's come to my city so now i have to actually stick by my words i'm gonna because i mean it like i meant it but we'll see how many people in dc actually meant it because there's a lot of conservatives here in dc who have been talking shit and now it's coming to D.C. and let's see if they actually, you know, they do it or not. Yeah. And uh, I've talked to some of my friends uh, about this kind of stuff. And like their biggest thing is like, uh, I know it's not the 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 employee's fault. Like it's a it's something that their boss told them they have to do. And so I don't want to like cause a scene or like make a problem for them. And like I love that most of my friends are like nice people empathetic people who want to be the bigger person in most yeah, scenarios I don't, like, I don't like talking back to cashiers and shit right and like i do love that about my friend group is that most of us are like good people when we go out and we're interacting with people and you know yeah we're not the like yell at the waitress types um but i feel like when it comes to this like we have to make a scene that's how change happens like women didn't get the right to vote because no one made a scene. Yeah, that's true. It just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of murky because that has nothing to do with like being on somebody else's private property. That's like a public right, I guess. This is true. Um, and I do, I do believe obviously in like private property and people's right to private property, uh, which is why I've tried to have like some very civil um, conversations with uh, if, if I'm interacting with a person that actually has the ability to make a decision and, and like uh, express this, if it's like the person whose private property it is, mm -hmm. um, about like you know especially like because like i said we live in a county that's not enforcing and so they can't get in trouble for not wearing making me wear a mask they can't get mm -hmm. in trouble for not wearing a mask um so i'm trying to like i'm, I'm trying to do right by the property owner because um i feel like a lot of times it's somebody you know like i said like it's like corporate policy it's like a national company that's just you know enforcing this down and when it comes to that kind of a situation like i don't i don't know i i respect most private property except for like 
Walmart's private property because just like <laughs> fuck Walmart, you know, like if it's a shitty comp like national chain that just like has been fucking over their employees and their customers for like ever. I'm just I, I care a lot less about their private property rights. Yeah, I get you. I got you. I don't know why this comment exists because I don't want to fight Tim Pool because I think he would probably win, to be honest. He's, he seems scrappy. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to measure it. He's definitely more intimidating than you, but mm. you can't always go by who's scarier. So I don't this know. True. Yeah, I don't know. No comment, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I feel like he's probably been in more fights than I have. That's for sure. He's definitely been around like a lot of like, you know, riots and things happening like that. So he has to have some type of self-defense skill. Mm -hmm. And he's um, strapped. So. Yeah, that's also true. Um, <laughs> I need to, I need to upgrade my arsenal. Mm. I grew up, I grew up around guns. Uh, so I've always just like, I've always known that if shit goes down, I can just like go home and there's guns there, but I really need to start like having my own that I can have at my own house because mm -hmm. at this point uh, I'm trying to live like halfway across the country from my parents. I'm not going to be able to get home when shit goes down. Like before yeah, I need you a gun. Definitely, definitely, definitely need your own guns. When I try, I'm turning 21 next month and in Maryland, you can't have a handgun if you're under 21. So that's what I want for my birthday. Nice. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so what was the, what was your favorite thing that you wrote for fee? I would say probably the last article I wrote, I thought was probably made the most impact just because it was just such an insane story it was about the this woman, Rikia Young, who was driving with her 16-year-old nephew and two-year-old son in Philadelphia. And on that day, there happened to be like a BLM protest because a couple hours before, Philadelphia police shot and killed uh, an unarmed, like uh, mentally ill man who his, whose family had called 911 for like mental health help. And they shot and killed him. I don't know what transpired to make that happen, but that's why the protest was happening. And so this lady's driving unrelated to the protest, but she happens to like have to drive around it. Like she makes her own turn and she's at this protest. And so she's making a three point turn to turn around and try to take her nephew and her kid home. And the cops pull her over. They beat in her vehicles in her window, drag her out, beat her in the street and separate her from the kid, the kids as she's under arrest they never found out what she did wrong like she literally never did anything illegal never was charged with anything they never had a reason for doing that um Jeez. meanwhile they're doing a photo shoot with the two-year-old child um and this is a black family by the way and it's like a, the, they're doing a photo shoot with this little black two-year-old in the arms of a white female police officer and then the next day this picture goes viral um on the Fraternal Order of Police, which is the nation's largest uh, police union Facebook page, saying that this little black child was abandoned in the streets and then this woman saved him and that BLM like abandoned this kid and he was found wandering around shoeless in the chaos. Like they just completely lied about the situation and they assaulted the mom. And so I blew that story up and I made it into a case basically to end public sector unions and qualify 
qualified immunity. So I was able to kind of get that message out there by that article I wrote going pretty viral. Like it was at the top of Reddit. Um, it had like thousands and thousands of impressions on Twitter and Facebook. It was just doing really well. So I think whenever I have an article that makes a big impact and a lot of people have seen it, that's like my favorite piece. That's, that's an insane story. I remember reading that. Um, I, there's, it's crazy because like each and every part of that story just keeps getting worse. Like, like you had to take a quick detour from the actual story to just inform us about like murdering some mentally disabled person. Yeah. And then, and then get back onto the story we're actually talking about. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that's what they were already (sighs) protesting the police. And this happened at an anti, like a, like a BLM rally. So how, how do you, how do you lose so many brain cells in your life that you think that any of that was a good idea? And the fact that they posted that to Facebook and thinking like, oh, yeah, we'll never get caught. No one who knows this kid will ever see this picture, even though we just beat the fuck out of the mom for no reason and stole her child. Anyways, the mom, it's a good, there's a good ending to the story. The mom was injured, but she ended up fine. She's alive. She never went to jail because she never did anything wrong or illegal. She won $2 million from the city of Philadelphia, and now she's suing the police union the fraternal order of police for fifty thousand dollars for the facebook post because she was basically slandered as you know a negligent mother because her Mm -hmm. child was posted on the internet saying that he was found alone so it was pretty serious so but she got like a huge payout so it's i mean it's not all good but you know not such a bad ending do you think the uh like they'll ever get sick of these lawsuits enough to where they'll stop doing dumb shit like like Nick Sandman no, or, no. or Kyle Rittenhouse. No, because they have qualified immunity. Because they have qualified immunity, like mm. they don't pay it. So why would they care to stop doing it? That's the, that's the exact issue. If we disbanded public sector unions, including police unions, and ended qualified immunity, they would have a much higher incentive to not fuck up this much or this badly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I... I'll never understand how we got to a system where, uh, where qual, I don't know how qualified immunity ever sounded like a good idea to anybody. Probably just police lobby groups. I don't know. It's, um, I, 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 I think, uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe qualified immunity was never a, it was like a really irregular piece of legislation it was passed not through Congress, not through any type of legislative process, but by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court just kind of wrote it into law, I believe. Interesting. So it that's why it kind of seems like nobody would agree with it because nobody nobody did. It was never voted on. Hmm. That would make sense. Um, yeah, and meanwhile, the Supreme Court, uh, or so I've been told, is supposed to protect our rights and freedoms. And keep the government accountable? It clearly doesn't because anyone who, who still believes that the Constitution is, is helping us right now is living in a fucking fantasy land. I think the Constitution is good. You can be a constitutionalist and recognize that the Constitution isn't holding anyone to jack shit right now. And the Supreme Court is not um, being held to jack shit right now. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of paper. There's no consequences for not following it. I think that's the, um, the, the main 
test in my mind for like a libertarian versus an anarchist is like do you believe in the constitution still well that's funny because i have that opinion but i'm not even a full-blown libertarian or not really anywhere near an anarchist i maybe a little bit near but not really close that's fair um i mean i i feel like i know you're not you don't associate with the party but like ideologically you're still you're you're a libertarian uh, I mean, there's we've, some we've got you have to have gotten you by now. <laughs> there's some things I'm not libertarian on. There's just some things I'm not. That's fair. Um, can I ask, like, what? Yeah, I'm not. Liber- I'm, I don't agree with the LP on immigration. That's just something I I don't agree with them on the whole open borders thing. I pro- that's probably my my least um libertarian belief. I mean, I know libertarians have different opinions on abortion. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what the party stance is on that, but the official party stance is that the government shouldn't be involved at all. Um, but uh, there are plenty of libertarians that believe in like societal um, work to change that, uh, and like you know, there's there's a lot, and most, if not all. Uh, are in favor of various things to lower the abortion rate that isn't banning it, like uh, ending abstinence-only sex ed and like providing uh, more access to birth control and things like I that. I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of that, except for I think that past a certain time, abortion should be illegal. And I'm just not libertarian about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't personally have a strong stance on on it because I'm. It's. Like I get to, I get to play the "it's never gonna affect me" card, which I don't really like doing. But at this, you know, I that's I don't completely sh- valid. I don't think yeah. everybody has to have a strong opinion on it one way or the other. I don't um, come at it from like a religious point of view because I think religious people tend to think that you know, um, life begins at conception, and that you know, uh, a zygote is the same as a fetus is the same as a baby. Mm-hmm. I don't think that. I think that you know, obviously, if if there was uh, a baby in a burning building and a hundred zygotes in a freezer, we'd all save the baby. I'm not deluded about that. Mm-hmm. However, I do think there is a time during gestation where a zygote becomes a fetus and that fetus has a heartbeat. And that's when I think life starts. And I think, you know, even if you don't go by the heartbeat there, there is a point in time in the gestation where fetuses feel pain. I think that's another sign of being alive. So I just think, you know, we can do things to, uh reduce the need for early abortions you know you know sex ed and contraception Mm -hmm. and you know all those types of things but i think there is a place where i believe the line should be drawn and again it's in my mind it's coming from a scientific place like where scientifically does this fetus begin to be alive and it's not from like a religious judgmental place on on women who you know feel alone and feel in that Mm -hmm. position yeah i I like I don't think that I would ever nece- or un- until something changes in society and this becomes a less like isolated political issue uh outside of it just being is it murder or not um I I I would I would agree that there's that there's a a, a line where you know like you're saying like if they can feel pain and there is a heartbeat like there there's a there's a person there um, I feel like if we drew the line correctly, 
or just like if we just could all just kind of come come to a consensus on the line we could do enough to make uh to make it pretty much never past that line like third trimester abortions are already quite rare um and even like um like late term abortions at all are still already quite rare and i think that there's just a few things that we can do to push it the rest of the way down to where the only time that's happening is for like serious medical reasons and then also yeah i i think that you know we should try to lower the rate in general because they're just i mean they're it's a bad thing to do to your body just in in general and yeah i mean there's so many side effects women have died during abortion it's a it's a dangerous procedure first of all depending how late along you are um it could ruin your fertility sometimes women who get you know just one but most of the time it's people who get multiple abortions they suffer from infertility later on in life so there's just Mm -hmm. so many so many evil and wrong things with it and then if you look at it from you know the agenda perspective i think there is an agenda especially with planned parenthood to you know lower certain populations via eugenics whether it be minorities such as black people jewish people or now you know they're looking at disabled people because you know i think it's um I don't know, some EU country basically eliminated um, Down syndrome because every woman in that country gets a test to see if their baby's going to have Down syndrome and almost like 99 or 200% of them choose to abort it. That's eugenics. And I think there is a, there is a, you know, an agenda side that we have to think about, not just like, oh, is a life, is a death, is a murder, is a blah, blah, blah. There is an agenda, I think, that people who push abortion are pushing. So there's that as well. It's scary how many times throughout history uh, eugenics gets politicized and and like placated in various ways. Like we, we as a human race, we're just like systemically bad at at sniffing that out and stopping it. It's- it's horrible to me because if anyone's ever met somebody with down syndrome, they're usually like the sweetest, most unique, like caring person you've ever met. They deserve a life and you'll never meet a down syndrome person who is saying they don't want to be there. Like they enjoy life more than a lot of people do in my experience meeting some of them. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's crazy for a whole country to justify the fact that and celebrate the fact that there have no population of down syndrome people because they have not given them a chance to live and i just i find it really disgusting actually yeah and you you make a really good point there that like they're not or at least my my experience is very similar to yours uh where most like i've never met one that uh, i've never met somebody with down syndrome that uh like wished that they were aborted you know like I, I know a lot more. I know a lot more people without. Uh, no, <laughs> the normal amount of chromosomes are all depressed and fucked up and on drugs and shit. Mm-hmm. Down syndrome. People with Down syndrome are some of the most, you know, happiest people. And, you know, they they do come with medical complications. There's not a very long life expectancy for people with Down syndrome. I mean, there are outliers, but a lot of them do die younger than you know the average person. Mm-hmm. But I think that. Um, eradicating them and making sure that nobody has a chance i think that's wrong yeah and you can see that you know margaret sanger in the in american birth control league which later became planned parenthood their plan is coming true in america you know in new york city more black babies are aborted than born so i i think that's pretty heinous as well Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I think it really speaks to like the, um, you know, the individual rights side of things, you know, because uh, if if you if you want to make the argument for maybe some of the other disabilities that are like extremely like horrifying and difficult to live with um, and you want to say that like may, maybe it's better, uh, but like especially there there are plenty of of um, of disabilities where that's just not the case. Um, like my sister actually, uh, contemplated for, for a very short period of time, um, having an abortion because, uh, the, her third kid, uh, they, they were doing tests and they found very, very, very early on. Um, she was only like six weeks along when they found out that she was going to have both a lung and a heart defect and possibly not survive the pregnancy and then possibly not make it to like two, even if she was born. Uh, like that they told her that at about six seven weeks along so like there was a big window there for her to just you know it was it was still a zygote almost you know like it was she had that window and uh she contemplated it but didn't and i'm so glad that she didn't because my niece is freaking adorable and i love her to pieces and she actually um she had to go through like six surgeries within the first uh month and a half of being alive but has recovered quite well and she's doing good and uh at this point she'll she'll probably need a heart transplant in her late 30s um but, but she'll live so yeah she'll, she'll be she'll pretty live. much fine wow um so yeah i think that uh it's 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 a really weird mindset when you're like arguing for this kind of stuff uh when the person that you're arguing for would disagree with you um yeah i i just i've seen um there's some clip going around of i think it was at some pro-life rally where a man with down syndrome was speaking and he was speaking on behalf of the pro-life people saying look i'm i have down syndrome i'm happy i love my life i want to be given the chance to live and other down syndrome people feel this way or people with down syndrome i bet but it, it's like so crazy how we just don't listen to it don't listen to them like i think it's actually it's more ableist to want to just abort people with disabilities and not listen to people with disabilities they act like it's trying to save them and they're not being ableist by doing that but it's doing the exact opposite very much agreed um so so borders and abortions i feel like that's not that's not a whole a very uh strong disagreements uh from the lp platform i i know like i i now agree with the open borders part of the platform but uh it was it was a couple years in the movement before somebody actually like explained it to me uh thoroughly and in the right way where it actually clicked and i was like okay that makes sense and then at this point like because i am an anarchist and i just don't believe in the legitimacy of anything government related borders is just easily lumped into the abolish all of the things um so so now it's even more like ideologically consistent but i understand why like minarchists and libertarians still believe in uh border security because like most i know that the like globalist anarchist sect of the world is quite small i know that i'm in, i'm in i'm in a minority of people that want global anarchy mm-hmm also, and this is, I think it gets a little bit deeper than that. It's not just about border security. I don't think it's even just about, um, you know, wanting to know who's in the country. I think I'm more conservative because I think um, 
it, it's I'm coming at it from more of a nationalistic perspective. It's it's not just security. I think that Americans have a heritage and a culture that's superior, and that's the reason. It's not just because I don't like MS-13 or whatever. And I think mm-hmm. that's why I differ from most libertarians because from them, for them, it's a financial thing, and for me, it's like financial also, but also cultural. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, yeah, I uh, I w- I used to be very very nationalistic, um, but that's that's gone now. <laughs> Yeah, you did filthy degenerate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just uh I just keep getting fucked over by the government and uh and 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 learning more about history and I'm just like, you know, like like I do I do agree that like America's history is uh you know, I mean there's terrible parts, but there's also like really awesome parts and we've we've definitely kicked most of the rest of the world's ass consistently and I love that about us. Um but I also like kind of don't want us to continue to exist. So that makes it kind of hard to like be nationalistic. Mm. Yeah, I think this is just why I'm I'm mm-hmm. more of a minarchist. I think that there are things that, uh, you know, a formal organizational structure such as government, in a very minimal sense, mm-hmm. would be better at doing. Yeah, we don't have we don't have that form of government right now, but I think that there is a better way to do things. Yeah, um, I also feel like because I grew up with like explicitly like american culture like my family is american like what uh that's how i answer the question of like what are you because uh there's a there's a couple of different nationalities that i actually do trace back to but um i have to go back like 10 plus generations to find an immigrant um my my part of my family came from like the germans that owned new york before they sold it to the british um and i also have native american and so it's it's just like i've just we've we've been here for a long time yeah and so like i grew up on like hamburger helper and craft mac and cheese and like casseroles like the the closest thing we had we had to like any kind of an outside culture was a little bit of german but that wasn't because of uh blood heritage it was because my grandparents were stationed uh my grandpa was in the army and was stationed in germany for about eight years when my mom was a kid uh, so they like brought some of that back from then, but the German like cult food and like most of their culture is kind of weird. Um, not wasn't like a huge fan. Um, oh my god, that's so <laughs> offensive. That's like, literally racist against Germans. Okay, Germans don't have the best food. Neither do British people. Like we just know this. Like there's parts Europeans, of Europe that don't Europeans. know how to do food. Mm-mm. So I feel like that like getting out of like super white rural like white trash upstate new york and like actually starting to experience other cultures uh was also a big part of me kind of breaking out of that nationalism because i was like no we need immigrants because like they know how to do things and cook and they're nicer and they're like i've just like started especially moving like from there to new york city where it was where i was actually interacting with like first generation immigrants and uh quite often in second generation immigrants like most of the time uh i was i i think that that had a big impact on my immigration stance because i was just like this is so much better 
than than, than upstate or for me. And I know that it's like subjective and that like I know plenty of people that absolutely hate New York City and love living up here. And that's fair, too. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I was just not a fan of the the quote unquote American culture necessarily in in a couple of ways, just because I feel like um, I just rebelled really hard against it when I when I picked up all of the other rebellious angst in my like late teens. It that was just kind of part of it. Okay, at least you admit that it was out of, out of teen angst. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I left the Republican Party, the Christian faith, and, like, upstate New York pretty much all con- simultaneously at, like, okay. 17, 18. Uh, I mean, I, I, get the, I get the rebellion. I kind of rebelled a little bit, too, or possibly a lot, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't end up in this movement without a little bit of carryover teen angst. Mm-mm. I'm here. I'm also here because of teen angst. I'm not even judging. <laughs> I I mean, I feel like that's what happens is like, you know, we have we, there's a bunch of 30 somethings in the movement because they saw Ron Paul when they were in their teen angst mode. Um, mm-hmm. And now we've got a bunch of 20 somethings because they saw Gary Johnson in their teen angst mode. Um I or, did not see Gary well, Johnson in my tanning mode. That's fair. Who? How did you get it? Who was the first libertarian that you heard about? Uh, I don't know. The internet. The <laughs> people on the internet. I feel like I wasn't like. I feel like I wasn't like. Oh my god! This great libertarian thinker or this great libertarian politician. I was just like, oh my god! These libertarians on on Twitter. You know, they make more sense than the Republicans on Twitter. And then at their recommendation, I started checking out you know, certain speakers and YouTubers and things like Mm -hmm. that. I think the way I got into conservatism was more on YouTube. Like I would watch like, I don't know, Dave Rubin, Ben, Dave Rubin, Ben Shapiro, like the people, like the kind of mainstream, like, you know, turning point PragerU type people. Mm -hmm. And then I made social media, like Twitter and stuff and got over there. So ever since then, everything, everyone I've kind of discovered politically has mainly been on Twitter. That's, I feel like that's a fairly uh, unique story. Um, I think I, just because I'm young, I think, but I like people don't watch TV anymore. You know, when people used to say like, oh, I used to watch this person's show on, on NBC or this person during the debates or this person on in the newspaper. It's like people don't do that stuff anymore. People consume social media more than any other medium. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of people who, you know, are, are in their teens, you know, grew up in the, I guess like Zoomers, I guess people just grow up in the 2000s probably are going to find our movement through social media yeah that's that's fair and it, we're get, getting a lot better at it which is something that's fun um i i'm glad that like the position of social media manager actually like exists on most campaigns and most like state parties and um it's like a I believe at this point is a paid position at the national level or a communications director, I believe is like, mm-hmm. we're actually like taking this shit seriously. Finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, even, even uh, having you on the, the sharp way is, is something 
that's uh, I think an improvement from anything that we would have done like three or four years ago because it's just we didn't take yeah yeah I mean it's just a bigger operation now we know how to you know target different demographics and young people now or at least better you know Mm -hmm. and it's uh I think it's nice that uh you know I kind of to to the point or to speak on your story like it's nice that we kind of have like an army now mm-hmm. you know before when when we took most of our activism politically uh it was you know maybe four or five major candidates you know it was like gary larry um you know some like whoever was the more popular gubernatorial candidates maybe but uh um like like we're all centered around like two or three people where now there's a dozen and a half libertarians with like over a hundred thousand followers on Twitter that are, you know, just kind of like, you know, interacting with each other and having fun. And like, we're all becoming friends and we're all getting more popular. I mean, me at a much slower pace than most of my friends, which is insane. It's been insane watching like people like you and Reed and like other like people that I'm like, just just interesting normal people well i mean you were already pretty popular when we met but um you've mm-hmm. blown up more uh but like reed i knew him before he had a twitter <laughs> like, oh for real yeah we met in person on the tulsi gabbard campaign uh like oh, over two years God. ago has he changed a lot spill me some tea on reed <laughs> um honestly not really He's he's gotten more anarchist but other than that no uh okay. he is the same like deadpan uh <laughs> my favorite story of hit though is uh i don't remember if the that bit is in the the intro that i played today but there's a, a video of me bump firing an ar that's usually in my intro um mm-hmm. uh that video was taken on a day where we took we took four like super lefty uh, like almost, almost like and like pretty anti-gun, or at least like about Tulsi's level of like you know we need background checks, we need um you know an, maybe an assault weapons ban because like they're big and scary. Yeah. Uh, we took like four of them out shooting for an afternoon, and red pilled all of them on guns and gun rights. And by the t- like we were dr- driving out, they're like telling me that like th- they'll shoot the twenty two but not the AR, and I'm like. Yeah you realize they're basically the same uh hmm. on the way back they're like all gun gu- gun control is unconstitutional and I'm like, that's really yes. admirable um yeah so reed's just uh reed's been awesome ever since i knew him uh, but yeah it, it was really... i can't believe i haven't met him in person yet i love reed really yeah man that's sad yeah we just haven't been to the same events he wasn't at revolution and i wasn't at um freedom fest mm. Man. Actually, I haven't seen him in person uh, since the campaign, so it's been oh, almost okay. two years. Uh, well, he moved to Utah. If he was still in New Hampshire, I would have seen him m- a couple of times, yeah. but uh, he's on the complete other freaking side of the country. I want to visit Utah. I'd go visit him in Utah. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to the Arizona State Convention um, in a couple of weeks, so I'm hoping to stop by on either on the way out or the way back oh okay cool yeah we need to see some david and reed content Mm -hmm. 
I don't need to see that on my timeline. That'll make me happy. <laughs> yeah, it was so, but it, it has been kind of nuts. Like when he started his show, um, you know, it was like a couple of, of his friends and it, like he had me on like a dozen times within the first like, uh, yeah, little right, bit. Right. And, um, you know, it was just like, he was just like doing like short little videos and uh, he started his show probably like four or five months after I started mine. And I was like, uh and and then he just like i was i was growing but very slowly very steadily and then he's just like whoosh, and then it keeps doing it and i'm like fuck yeah dude because yeah. like he's kind of like i'm just riding his coattails and i'm fine with that oh, Lord. <laughs> i mean there's plenty of people that i only know because i know reed um oh. i wouldn't i wouldn't have made the connections with uh with dave or scott horton uh or um actually a, a solid number of the people that i've gotten to like have on my show and gotten to interact with uh clint um probably wouldn't have really interacted with him much if if i wasn't good friends with reed um mm -hmm. and even you found me because i was on his show so yeah, like that is true i owe i owe him a majority of my my following and my friends at this point that's pretty cool i th i feel the same way i think reed has uh, he he's like definitely my like main friend i would say in the liberty movement who you know has some influence i know can like you know he'll like go to bat for me and like defend me and stuff so mm -hmm. but because of him i think that a lot of people give me a chance because a lot of people were like oh she's a conservative or she's this or she's that like just a lot of people have like you know preconceived notions about me because i was kind of an outsider mm -hmm. and a lot of people gave me a chance and followed me through him you know mm -hmm. Well, I'll say I know I was pushing back on it, but I, I think that uh, the fact that you don't call yourself uh, a libertarian all the time and like you'll make the distinction that there's like things that you disagree with. And I, I think for me, at least, uh, earns earns you a lot of respect because uh, I think the problem a lot of times with people that have fairly similar opinions to yours is that they like try to like sneak in and be like, I'm a real libertarian and like everything I believe is libertarian, even yeah. though I'm actually a nationalist conservative that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there's definitely some of those people. It's a lot of, a lot of post libertarians who have similar opinions to me, but kind of went through the whole libertarian phase and then got pissed mm -hmm. off at libertarians because they didn't conform to their conservative beliefs. I don't expect the LP to suddenly be like, Hey, we're nationalists. I, you know, I would love if there were libertarian and nationalist candidates, just like there could be globalist candidates and made the best one win. Like, I would just love for there to be some competition. But I don't expect libertarian I like ideas to bend to what I think they should be. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get pissed off at it and become a post-libertarian. I just never really, you know, became one because I knew we just didn't fit ideologically like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and when when you throw that out there and you know we still like realize that we agree on like 80 plus percent of everything else and like by far the more important things um like ending qualified immunity and ending the war on drugs and all of these other things um like it's i would i feel like it would be insane to like discredit you or shun you because we disagree on a couple of like, you would think you would think <laughs> it would be insane david fight you would think it would be insane but nevertheless there are always people who want to say like oh she's just a conservative or there are people who think i'm too 
libertarian on the conservative side, they'd be like, oh, she's just a liberal. She's a libertarian. Like, there, there's just always people who say shit like that, even though we disagree, we agree on most shit. Mm-hmm. There's there's Puritans on both sides, but there's a lot of Puritans in the in the libertarian camp. So I know a lot of people that if I showed them clips, like just like specifically uh taken clips of you talking would just like assume that you are like a radical leftist progressive just because you like you talk about issues on a racial basis sometimes and and actually fairly often and like in a very important way and i have a lot of friends and 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 acquaintances more of uh in the movement that like think that talking like that automatically makes you a leftist yeah yeah, I come across a lot of people like that. I come across mm. so many people like that. And, you know, it's pretty annoying, but I've just recognized that people are going to have their biases and preconceived notions, and I'm just going to talk my shit. And, you know, people can get mad at it. People might not get mad at it. But, you know, I'm just always going to explain it to the best of my ability that I'm not a leftist and that you don't have to be a leftist to care about race or racial justice and not in the Marxist way, not in a critical race theory way. There's ways that you can care about it. And, you know, be fair to white people and not be anti-white and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't blame some people because they've been, you know, this is, they've been fed this kind of agenda from the left for so long. But I think the problem cannot be solved by ignoring race. You know, you have to address it in our own way. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, it, it is, it's, it's really disheartening. Uh, because I think that, uh, I'll, I'll say this as nicely as I can. I really think that most libertarians are autistic and, (laughs) and I mean that mostly in a literal way, actually, but there's a, there's a, a very large majority of libertarians that are like, uh, right brain analytical or left brain, I guess it is analytical types. Like they're, they like numbers and facts and things like that. Like there are, there are two types of people, right? There's like the facts people and the feelings people. And that's just something that we know from psychology and the facts people make up a lot of libertarianism and they just like discredit everything else as like identity politics or, or like, like they just hate listening to libertarians talk about things on any kind of an emotionally driving way and unfortunately most of the population is the other type of people that need things to be emotional and so for so long we've just been like screaming like uh large economics lessons at people or like uh just like data and graphs and stats when like what they really need is a is a story that will drive home and like make them feel something and change their opinions mm-hmm. um and i think that for a lot of people in this country uh something that that makes them feel something is talking about race and because it's something that they see that needs to be changed and they see the problems and they hear about the problems and hearing a solution based on that problem from a libertarian perspective wakes them up to like why not only do we need to make weed legal we also might need to like not tax it or like not regulate it as heavily as some of the states are doing it they'll actually listen to that point because we attacked it from a we need to stop locking up black people for a plant kind Mm -hmm. of a perspective Mm -hmm. um so 
Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I really like. Uh, I, I watch you whenever you go on Kennedy, and I, I just, I really, a, I'm a fan of the, the stuff that you're saying. Like, I like Aww. the way that you're attacking it, and I think it's a fairly rare, uh, like perspective and voice at the moment. Thank you, David. That means a lot to me. I don't really know what Kennedy's viewer base or how many people who watch it or really anything like that. I guess it's a lot of libertarians, but I was a fan of the show before I went on. I did watch it pretty frequently. I watched that show and I watched Gutfeld. Those are like the two shows on mm. Fox that I'm a fan of because there's a lot of libertarians in those shows. But, you know, that means a lot when I see people who I like and respect, um, you know, comment and say they've watched me on Kennedy and stuff because... I feel like I just, there are so many people that I like and respect that go on that show and it feels cool mm -hmm. that I'm in that, their position too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, at least judging by what I normally hear from her and her other guests, uh, I don't, I'll, I will say I don't watch her show all that often. Um, it's usually I'll watch, I'll watch it if you or Spike are on it. Um, and sometimes a Dave Smith uh, episode here and there, I don't watch as many of those just cause I think I've heard him talk more uh and I mm -hmm. kind of know what what he's gonna say most of the time. Um, um, what was I gonna say? Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, you know they're fairly her her audience is fairly conservative still, and maybe like you know like conservative libertarian. But I feel like uh, her audience is probably just just making an assumption here. The kind of people that don't often hear these perspectives and uh i think like you and spike are pretty much the only people that that use like left language uh, yeah it's funny it's... though it's funny though i feel like i get accused of being more leftist than spike but spike's a white guy so no one's like oh well, he's just an evil black Lives matter marxist <laughs> i'm more right leaning than spike is but for some reason i'm the one that i think i get accused of being like a leftist you know black supremacist and shit you know <laughs> Mm -hmm. I'll let you guys guess why that is, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so the other thing that you got out of Twitter this year, uh, you got a boyfriend because of social media and, and yeah. memes and joking. Tell me, tell me that story, at least the, the condensed version. Uh, I feel like it's such a long story. Okay. Okay. Let me start. Okay. So <laughs> I follow this guy on Twitter, like, end of 2019-ish, didn't really talk at all, we were just mutuals, whatever. In the beginning of 2020, I had just like gone through a breakup, it was horrible, so I make a Tinder, right? Um, And I see he's on it, and I was, I saw him on it, and I was like, whoa, I didn't know this guy was in DC, so I DM'd him, I was like, I saw you on Tinder, like I sent him a screenshot. Um, And so he basically told me he was interning on Capitol Hill. He was working for Paul Gosar at the time, which is like mm. such a coon thing to do. But that's so funny. Like, honestly, I'm a Gosar stand now just because that Jordan worked for him. But uh, we arranged to meet at CPAC because CPAC was coming up. Again, another coon thing to do, but whatever. <laughs> I, we were just DC Republican kids. And um, COVID happened like the weekend after CPAC. We had like, a good time and stuff, but we were just like, you know, being friends or whatever because we were internet friends and then he had to go back to california because covid happened and i like didn't see him again for like a whole other year uh this year we had kind of been talking over the summer because he started crazily harassing me on twitter 
every single day just like constantly like hitting on me and flirting with me and stuff and honestly i guess subconsciously i thought he was cute because if i thought he was ugly and annoying i probably would have blocked him like it would be creepy right but i guess i was like okay i'll allow it (laughs) and then in august um my other friend was trying to convince me to come to hotep con which is like the hotep's been told you show they have like this annual like hotep nation weekend or whatever and this year it was in vegas and i wasn't really finna go because i didn't have like I, I didn't have time to buy like a last minute plane ticket to vegas and i'm not 21 so i was like what the fuck am i even gonna do in vegas but then mm-hmm. this guy Pedro j hits me up again he's like hey i'm going to hotep con i'll send you money for your ticket if you come and i was like well shit <laughs> i guess i'll go and so one thing led to another that's how we got together at Hotel Con in Vegas. And ever since then, it's been kind of rough because he's still does live in California, but I fly out there or we fly out to somewhere else and do a trip. And yeah, nice. it's pretty fun. I was there. I was in California for the first time for Thanksgiving. I was there for like two weeks. How was that? Um, I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it actually turned out to be. He lives in like a Republican part of California. So hmm. Nobody gave a fuck about the masks. Nice. We went to Disneyland and they didn't give a fuck about the masks that much. So, well, that's ref- that's encouraging. Yeah, I I had like being in Orange County and being in Palmdale, which is like in Antelope Valley, that actually renewed my hope for California because I felt like I wasn't giving it a fair shot just because I heard so much about LA and San Francisco. But there's mm-hmm. you know there's rural parts. And there's conservative parts that are against all that shit. Yeah. Uh, it was really interesting. I worked I worked a petition in the Bay Area last year. And uh, so I started off in Oakland. Um, then was in San Francisco for a couple of days. And then we went about an hour northeast of Oakland um, to just like a very Republican area. And it was so weird to just be like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour away from San Francisco and uh, just like be petitioning outside of a Walmart, like talking to a bunch of people that are just like, yeah, fuck Newsom, like Trump 2020. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. Yeah, there's definitely (laughs) some people that'll surprise you. Mm -hmm. It was actually really fun being up there petitioning because uh, all all I would get to is the uh, can you sign my petition to stop Gavin Newsom? And they they would just they would just cut me off there and be and say yes. I didn't even have to finish my Gavin Newsom's ban on flavored tobacco. Mm-hmm. I just I just, they would usually cut me off before I finished my first sentence. It was great. It was the nice. easiest petitioning I've ever done. Um, it was insane how difficult that petition was in San Francisco and Oakland, though. Mm. I'm, I, I'd assume it would be difficult there. I was literally standing outside of a dispensary uh, saying, like, sign my petition to save flavored blunt wraps because that was part of the ban. Like, flavored mm-hmm. blunt wraps and hookah were also included in this because uh, Newsom's a moron. Um, outside of a dispensary being like, help me save the flavored blunt wraps. Mm-hmm. Not a single signature. I stood there for three hours and didn't get a single signature. Everyone was either like douchebaggish and blew me off, you know, and everyone that actually like engaged with me about it and like half semi cared um, 
were like, no, man, I only smoke joints. Like, uh, fuck tobacco. Like, that's bad for you. Like, nicotine's bad. All natural, bro. And I was just like, mm-hmm. I was in Oakland. I was like, I figured blunts would be a little bit like if I was in if I was actually in San Francisco, Whoa, I figured I would racist? be bad. You being racist? You're saying you're saying because black people live in Oakland, they be smoking blunts. Yeah, okay. Yes, fight. I am saying wow. that. I lived in Brooklyn for four years. I know how much different the white neighborhoods and the black neighborhoods are when it comes to consuming cannabis. <laughs> Oh my god, you're based. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and it's it, it's insane because like up here, uh upstate, it's uh it's almost entirely glass. Um oh for real. Like, and that just doesn't exist in New York City at all. Like no one smokes bowls in New York. I smoke bowls, but only when I don't have a joint. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a mixture between like uh in a lot of apartment buildings in New York, you can actually smoke inside your apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're like away from home most of the day because most people like work an hour and a half train right away from their house and then they like hang out out there and then they go home. So like they're out and about. You can't smoke glass like on the street, uh, both wind and then like cops everywhere. Like you can't be stealthy about smoking a bowl. So yeah. it's just like sometimes people have them, but most of my friends in the city just don't even have a bowl, let alone like use it very often. Mm-hmm. but i used to i used to literally not know how to roll a blunt i used to be so fucking bad at it Um, i don't really know how i can roll joints but i don't really i'm not good at rolling blunts it's weird that it's different you would you just like think it's the same and i literally (laughs) it's because i can't comprehend that they're different i try to roll a blunt like a joint i'm like wait what the Mm -hmm. fuck am i doing i just can't comprehend it yeah uh But yeah, I uh, I was very disappointed by uh, how difficult it was to get signatures for that petition. Um, uh, what I I actually found because I figured that like the the like flavored blunt wraps um, or the the menthol cigarettes would be bigger selling points than the actual flavored vapes. Um, but I found out that like going to like um, just going to like vape shops in the suburbs ended up being the best the best thing that i did uh because like the vape shop owners would actually take the petition for me uh and like just get all their customers to sign it and so it was just like very targeted like the people that care about the thing uh and the people whose entire livelihoods are the thing like like the shop owners are willing to or like need this petition to succeed otherwise they're out of business Uh, and all of their customers obviously don't want to have to like buy their vape juice from from the back door instead um Mm -hmm. so it was it ended up that was that was the best plan but uh we we ended up getting enough signatures which makes me happy because fuck gavin newsom and fuck his entire agenda fuck gavin shot himself in the foot gavin newsom uh it i find it very hilarious though that uh on that job i was working directly for and it even says on the petition in very large letters that i was working directly for jrr reynolds and um philip morris like big tobacco Mm. when the bill that we were fighting was started by a petition funded by them anyway because because they funded a petition to ban flavored vapes then newsom decided he wanted to add all tobacco to it that's what they get (laughs) that's what they get don't try to meddle in shit then right uh 
And then, yeah, I love that Gavin just like well, shot people think they can flex government power and think that that government power won't come for them eventually. It just cracks me up. Damn, that's a good quote. <laughs> Put that one in the intro instead of me talking like a complete <laughs> fucking bitch. <laughs> Maybe. Oh wow! Okay, man, you're really you're you really don't like that clip. I, I find feel, I find I, it beautiful. I just feel like I look. I just sound like so annoying. Mm. Like, I mean, to be to be fair, the person shit. before you and the person after you are also talking shit about libertarians. So, uh, because yeah. <laughs> um, uh, actually, what what I cut out of of Scott. And to fit you in is him being uh, not a bunch of fucking idiocy. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. so you're actually nicer than what Scott was saying there. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, but before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to shout out like how people can follow you and all of the things that you're associated with and how they can maybe get involved with uh, some of the projects that you're working on. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. It's on the bottom of the screen. It's R-O-N-D-E-A-U-L-I-V-I-A. It's Rondo Olivia. The Instagram is Rondo.Olivia. Um, I'm on Facebook, too. I don't use it that often, but it's just my name. And also subscribe to my YouTube channel, just my name as well. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, I have a link tree in my bio so that I'll take you to, you know, if you want to read my Timcast articles or fee articles, anything like that, that'll take you to all those different links. And that link tree is also in the description of this video if you're watching on oh, Facebook so or YouTube. So, you, so um, you guys can click on that. Go follow her on everything that you can figure out. Um, and yeah, definitely go read a lot of her articles because they're great. Thank you. Uh, Olivia, thanks so much for coming back on. This is awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'll have to I'll have to have you on for uh, 420 again uh, this coming year. Oh Lord, we, we got to do that. But okay. I'm, I'm gonna do it better this year. Uh, actually, I have plans. It's gonna be a good time. Uh, okay, but we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, guys, thank you so much for watching. Like I said, uh, go click on that link in the description and follow her on everything, uh, and then click the other links in the description and buy weed from Nug of Knowledge and donate money to Thomas Queter's state senate campaign. Uh, and then uh, click the like on this video, click the subscribe button if you don't already, even though I'm very happy, like 60% of my viewers actually subscribe to my channel, which I feel like is very weird uh, and, a, and an odd thing for a YouTube channel. But like, I'm actually pretty, pretty happy about that. Like a lot of you guys already subscribed. So thanks for that. Mm -hmm. uh, Y'all are dope. Um, and then come back next week on the 29th for a birthday special with a bunch of guests that I'm not going to announce any of yet because only a couple of them are confirmed and it's going to be a lot. So Wait, next week is your birthday? Yes, the 29th. Oh my god! Happy early birthday! Thank you, thank That's you. Awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks again. This was fun. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> thanks for watching. Um, definitely see you back here next week. And until then, keep up the fight. Shut up and sit down.